The sonic war against the homeless has officially begun. Why you should be very, very careful who you hang out with. And then we go back to school to meet a young teacher who wants to show us some great things about life. Specifically, we're infested with demons and the only way they can get out of us is letting her cut us open. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's close to midnight here. It's kind of spooky outside. It's always spooky around here. We got a lot of stuff to cover though, so let's stop building the atmosphere of my apartment, a place you'll never be. And instead, we're going to my old hometown, Sacramento, California. Sac town, sack of potatoes, we're headed out there. In Sacramento, there is a McDonald's. In Midtown Sacramento, to be exact, there's a little McDonald's there. In the neighborhood, people go there. They're loving it. But the bagpipe music. I know that's more of a trumpet thing, but I can't really make a bagpipe noise. Okay, I'll stop. You know what bagpipe music sounds like. And they're pumping this out. They originally were pumping it out 24 hours a day. Bagpipe, nothing but bagpipe music, bagpipe music all the time. The reason why keeps the homeless away. Sacramento has a big homeless problem. Most cities on the West Coast, big cities at least, have a homeless problem. The Portland airport has a homeless problem. There's a lot of homeless people, okay? So when they're filling up your airports like the zombies attacking the Tel Aviv airport in World War Z, you got a problem. I don't think they're climbing up on each other to get to the roof of the airport, but I don't know. I haven't been there in a while. The point is, a lot of homeless people. So this McDonald's in Sacramento has an idea. Let's blast bagpipe music to keep the homeless people away. Now, the problem is, this McDonald's is located in a neighborhood where there are home people. You have the homeless people who are like, uh, fine, I'll go to this other McDonald's down the street. But there are actually home people who own homes that are like, uh, I have nowhere to go. They're becoming homeless. They're just like, I'd rather sleep in my car eight blocks away. This one guy says they were able to get a concession. First off, they were playing the music 24 hours a day. People begin complaining. So now they only play it 16 hours a day or eight hours a day, whatever it is. It's still very loud and it's still very long. This one resident was saying he put on his headphones and was blowing leaves out in his front yard. And then he shut off the leaf blower and underneath his headphones, which were designed to keep out the sound of a leaf blower, the second he shut off his leaf blower, he heard the bagpipe music. That's how loud this stuff is. People are saying, I'm sitting in my house, trying to watch Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen, and I just hear bagpipe music. This doesn't make sense. That's not an exact quote, but I just imagine people are watching that movie. Bagpipe music all the time. Here's this quote. It sticks in your head when you're going somewhere else, not even in this neighborhood, because you've heard it for so long. So remember that snappy bagpipe song you heard? You're like walking around. You're like, oh, yeah, dude, that jam. Like it's stuck in your head. I don't think it's like bagpipes greatest hits. I'm thinking it's just the same bagpipe song over and over again. But even if it was a collection of 10 of them. Eventually, they're going, the tune's going to get stuck in your head. The best part about the story, though, isn't the fact that McDonald's has unleashed a sonic weapon to keep the homeless people away. It's not that they unleashed it in a residential neighborhood, so the people who have homes, who have nowhere to go, are also being assaulted by this. Reporters 
came out for CBS local channel up there. They came out to the McDonald's. They talked to three different managers at the McDonald's and asked them about the bagpipe music. And all three managers said the exact same thing. What bagpipe music? Just went back to work. Just What are you talking about? There's no bag. There's no bagpipe music coming from here. That is that's genius. That's perfect. That might be the best example of gaslighting I've ever heard. What? No, that bagpipe music? Oh, that? That just started when you showed up. You're the one playing the bagpipe music. You're like, well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, it's you. It's you. So, yes, the Sonic War on, on Homeless Population has begun. You know what? Actually, you know what I should do? I should try to get people to play my podcast at top volume to drive people away i guess that's not good advertising for the podcast people are like oh, i never want to listen to this again what's this podcast called uh dead rap radio this sucks that's oh, super loud but think about it if you lived like six or seven houses down you might really enjoy it 24 hours a day seven days a week let's go to move on to our next topic since that plan that marketing gimmick failed i'm going to contact the government and see if they'll play me in guantanamo bay this next story, man, you know what? Like, I, I had this ready to go, and I was kind of like, uh, I think a, that's a ringing endorsement, isn't it? So not that I don't think the story is good. I think it's really interesting. I think it's kind of depressing. Last Friday, that story about a bear eating a bunch of kids, that that was depressing as well. It's kind of in the same vein. No, no kids, no kids get eaten. There's not a bear. But let's go to... Uh, Maurice, Michigan. Morris, Michigan. Morris, Michigan. Doesn't matter. We're not going to be here that long. Population of 900 people. It's a tiny little town. And it's Christmas Day. Family sits around. They're ready to eat the morning meal that accompanies Christmas. Everyone's like, mmm, yummy. Pass the bacon. And their last name is the bacon. And they all laugh at that joke just like they've laughed at that joke for the past eight generations someone's told it. This is the bacon family. And they have a son named Kevin Bacon, which I'm sure why you would do that. I have no idea. If my kids, if my last name was Shyamalan, I would not name my kid M. But I wonder what M. Night Show, that was a dumb joke. But I wonder what M, the M stands for. I'm not so curious to look it up. What if it's, no, actually, I'm curious. I'm going to look it up. What if it stands for mid? So midnight Shyamalan. Let's look this up. I don't think I've ever wondered about this before. Man, Manage. Yeah, that wasn't... Anyways, let's go ahead and move on with what I was originally talking about. It should be Mid. So his name is Midnight Shyamalan. What am I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, Kevin Bacon. So, Kevin Bacon is not at the morning meal. He can't be there. He can't. He's not there in the morning. Forget all that stupid segue. He's not in the morning. Kevin's not there. Family gets concerned because he's supposed to be here. Call the cops. Cops start interviewing people. Cops knocking on doors. Hey, you know Kevin Bacon? And people are like, do I know Kevin Bacon? No, I'm asking you, officer. Do I know the cops shut the door? They're like, dang it. The cops go to people they know who actually know Kevin Bacon. They go, hey, do you know where he's at? And they're like, well, he did meet a guy on Grindr, the app, the gay dating app. We met a guy on Grindr. And he was really excited about going out with him. And this too, at this point, the cops are like looking at each other and they're like, Oh, great. Because basically the easiest way to get away with killing someone is to kill a complete stranger. Very, very hard to catch because a lot of times police have to look for connections. And when people are using dating apps, 
Names can be fake. Addresses can be fake. Everything can be... The photo can be fake. And if you happen to run afoul of somebody who's not good on a dating app, it's much harder for them to figure it out. But they actually were able to track down this dude. So that all... He went missing on Christmas Day. On December 28th, they were able to find Mark Latunsky. Mark Latunsky. Kevin Bacon was 25. Mark Lanuski is 50, 50 years old. It's funny. I saw a review on a podcast the other day, and they said, I'm done with this podcast. They mispronounced a city. It's Naperville, and the host called it Napperville, and then made a joke about people taking naps. I cannot handle that podcast. I read that review, and I thought, <laughs> good luck enjoying my podcast. That's nothing compared to what I do. Anyways, Mark Latunsky, 50 years old, cops go to his house. Hey, let us in. We want to talk to you. Do you know Kevin Bacon? The guy's like, do I know Kevin? They're like, we're done with that joke. Let us in. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Come on in, officers. And the officers walk into his house. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, um, Kevin? Uh, Yeah, he's actually here. Um, Come here. Come come with me. Come let me show you. They go in the other room, and Kevin Bacon is there. He's suspended from his ankles, tied up to like a beam, dead, with no testicles. And he's like, oh yeah, I totally like just killed that guy a couple days ago. And you see the, see where that's missing? See that point? And the cops are like, yeah, 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 don't touch it, don't touch it. Yeah, that... Those testicles, they're in, they're in, mm -mm. I I, I ate them. I ate them. They're in my, they're in my tummy. I ate his testicles. Now, he was very, to put put it bluntly, he was very forthcoming. He totally admitted to killing Kevin Bacon and eating his testicles. That wasn't a bit. He actually did devour this dude's balls. He said that um, he stubbed him in the back and then slit his throat. And then ate his balls, so at least he was dead first. And I mean, it's still, it's still gross. Doesn't make it any less disgusting. I'm like, oh, you killed him first. Well, then go on, good sir. Eat all the testicles you want. All the testicles in the world are yours. Like, no, I'm not saying that. I mean, it would be worse if you like if he ate the, your testicles while you're still alive, right? Like, we're in agreement on that. This guy was arrested for it, and he actually had gotten in trouble before because some dude ran out of his house, bloodied, and this Mark guy was chasing him when the cops showed up, and the guy's like, yeah, that guy attacked me, and Mark goes, oh, no, 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 I attacked him because he stole my kilt, that's my kilt, and the guy in the kilt didn't want to press charges, which we saw in the Dahmer case as well. We've seen that a lot of times, too, with prostitutes and stuff like that. Just press charges, guys. I I get it. The first guy probably was closeted and he was with this guy. And now all of a sudden he's in a kilt getting chased and he doesn't want to get... He might have had a wife and kids or girlfriend or just been straight and he was experimenting. Whatever. You should have pressed the charges because now this young man's dead. So, yeah, you're thinking, Jason, I don't use a dating app. Well, I'm not gay either. But I don't use a dating app. Whatever. The point of the story isn't that you have to be the exact demographic of Kevin Bacon. The point is, whether or not you're Kevin Bacon, whether or not you have testicles, the point of the story is, be careful of weirdos, because they are out there. I'm not trying to make you paranoid, but... This guy existed for 50 years, and the only thing that was suspicious about him before this event is he chased a man in a kilt. 
couple months ago. He had a job, he worked, he drove his car next to you, honk, honk, wave, you're waving at him, and you're like, why am I doing that? He seems like an affable fellow. You're standing in line behind him at a Starbucks, not knowing that on Christmas Day, he is going to eat a young man's testicles. So just be careful of who, there's been a lot of stories recently about people going home with the wrong people. That one girl, Peyton Houston in Alabama, left a bar with two guys. Texted a friend, I don't feel safe, something's going wrong. They find her body, what, two weeks later. Just be careful. Doesn't mean you have to be a hermit, but follow your guts. Not your guts, follow your gut. Make sure you don't get in those situations. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to, you're like, that's depressing. Don't worry, this next story is less depressing and more creepy. It's kind of spooky. So, we are leaving behind Michigan. And we are headed out to St. Petersburg, Florida. Yes, we're going to get some sun. You're going to rub some suntan lotion on my back? You're like, no. I say, yeah, yeah, you are. I'm imagining you do it right now. Law of attraction. I'm visualizing it. And you're like, I can't help myself. Your hands start to just dig into my body. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just rub it in. Rub it in. You're like, Jason, you haven't even had me put any lotion on yet. And I'm like, you will. And you just make, and you rub my shoulders. Oh, it feels so good. We're still in Michigan, by the way. We're right outside the police station. They're processing this guy. You're like, Jason, just just, just get in the car. So I'm going to let you drive. I'm going to let you fly the carpenter copter for giving me that awesome back rub. I'm going to sit in the back and just relax. And you're just sitting at a bank of control panels. You're like, I don't know how to fly this thing. Just believe that you can. Just like I made you give me a back rub. You're like, I thought I was rubbing suntan lotion on. No, 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 I made you give me a background. So you stare at the control panel, and then we call a taxi, because you just can't figure it out. We end up in St. Petersburg, Florida. You're paying for the taxi, by the way. It's June 2012. We're standing outside a suburban house. My back's all relaxed. I made you give me a background the whole way. Your hands are all cramped up. You got carpal tunnel now. Standing outside the suburban house. And you're like, so what are we doing here? And I go, well, we are about to investigate a very, very interesting incident for lack of a better word so let's hide in the bushes <laughs> this is super suspicious get hide in the bushes just listen just listen a big pop of rabbit you're hopping the bushes and we see a teenager sitting on the couch and you look at me you're like how creepy is this story Shh. petting your head Shh, be quiet another teenager walks into the living room hey did you hear about what happened the other night and the guy's sitting there playing video games 2012 so what is that, PS3? It's playing video games. <laughs> Apparently playing Galaga. And he goes, hey man, did you hear what, I heard there's a rumor at school about what happened last night. And the buddy's like, dude's playing video games on the couch trying to ignore him. The friend's like, no, no, like, you gotta tell me what happened because there's just some weird stuff going on. Did you end up getting with that teacher and the kid shuts off the video game and he stands up and he goes, listen, I'm gonna tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody. Sit down. Take a seat. And the dude starts telling his friend what happened the other night with the teacher. And we kind of look at each other and we're like, oh, that's not good. And then the friend goes home. He leaves his buddy to try to beat his high score at Galaga. He goes home and he tosses and turns in bed. And he goes, I can't live with myself knowing this secret. Now we're in this kid's closet. I can't. We see him tossing and turning, getting all sweaty. I can't sleep. Thinking about this, I got to tell this kid's parents. So then he goes 
to the kid's parents the next day. Let's them sleep. Let's them have a good night's sleep. Knocks on the front door. Mr. and Mrs. Gallica, I need to tell you about your son. Your son and some of his friends from school had a run-in with Danielle Harkins, their teacher at school. Now, who is Danielle Harkins? 35 years old. She was a literacy teacher. So, I mean, like English, I'm assuming. This was at a school called the Leland and Asian Neighborhood Family Center. It was mostly, like the name implies, a lot of Asian students there. And I don't know if they were like first generation or something like that, but it, it's it's kind of weird. It's weird that the name of the school is like somebody's last name and the ethnicity that goes there. Where do you go to high school? Oh, I go to Eisenhower and Black Student School. Like it's kind of weird that that's the name of it. But anyways, that's the name of it. I mean, it's not a made up story. It's a real place. She teaches at Leoman and Asian Neighborhood Family Center. So there's a lot of Asians that go there. Now, she's married with two kids. And before you, you start thinking this is some gross sex thing, it's not. I know that was kind of, I didn't, that was unintentional. As I was telling the story, it, it seemed like I was setting it up that she's banging these students. And I don't cover stuff like that. I think that stuff's gross. But not that this story isn't disgusting, but it's disgusting in a different way. So, no, don't worry about that. That's not going to happen. What happens is, is weird, though. So, anyways, yeah, that's not what I'm leading up to. She is married with two kids, though, and she's had issues with her family, just in her family life. She'd actually gotten herself charged with sexual violence, and her husband got charged with domestic violence. Both charges were dropped, but they are getting a divorce. And when she's getting a divorce, her friends and family start to realize that she's not all there i.e. she's becoming super religious. Now, that is going to happen from time. And I'm not saying that being religious is wrong. I'm religious. I'm not saying that at all. But you do have a tendency with people who have been huge life changes. It could be that they're getting over addictions or getting out of prison or they're currently in prison or something like that. They've lost a loved one to turn to religion and turn it up to the nth, and turn it up to the nth degree. So it's not just that they go to church, it's that they go to every church. They're going to like 10 different denominations. They're going to every single possible service you can go to. And again, fine. But you know what I mean. Like some people take it too seriously. Same thing. Some people just want to build a model train. And then other people, that's where they spend all their time and all their money is building model trains. They take it too seriously. So yes, I just just compared worshiping a deity to building model toys but the point is is that she went 10 toes deep into this ultra religious and the weird thing is is that people couldn't really figure out what religion it was it seemed to be some just kind of vague mashup of religions but she starts talking about demons she starts talking about creatures from another world not cool space aliens but dastardly interdimensional rebellious angels one day she was talking to a neighbor having a normal conversation and then danielle kind of looks at her and goes you're okay you don't have any demons and leaves you're like what yeah i know she's kind of getting a little too religious but that's weird like what if she had thought i did have demons neighbor just kind of puts it out of her mind you know going through a rough patch in life. June 9th, 2012. Danielle Harkins gets some of her favorite students together and says, guys, we gotta meet up. 
we got to do something outside of class. Why don't you guys, and, and the kids are like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, we really like you. You're a good teacher. And that doesn't sound suspicious at all. That doesn't sound weird one bit. You want to go Chuck E. Cheese? You want to go to Pizza Hut? You want to go to Fuddruckers? Apparently one of the kids is really hungry. And she goes, no, 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 no. We're going to go out to this area. It's like a parking lot. We're just going to hang out by my car. That's what adults do, right? Like, you guys are adults. Come and hang out at my car. Again, not suspicious at all. They have no reservations against this. So she must have been a really cool teacher. Like, Dangerous Minds level of cool. Kids really believed everything she said. I'm not teaching you. You guys are teaching me. They're like, you're right. We are teaching her. We're teaching her how to be very suspicious and trick us to go into an abandoned parking lot with her. So the night comes. The friends show up. She's standing outside her car. And there's a little. she started a little fire on the parking lot. Again, the students, not suspicious at all. They're like, hey, Mrs. Harkin. Hey, Mrs. H. How you doing? She's like, oh, I'm so glad you guys came. I'm so glad you guys came. You know you guys are my favorite students. Fire crackling. I love you guys so much. But you have demons in you. All of you. Just one demon each. But they're in there. And these all kids are all like early teens. Early teens. I think like 15, 16. Kids look at each other. Here's this adult figure. Someone who's more than twice their age. Telling them. Someone they respect and they've learned so much from. And they're also. These kids are also stupid. Because they went. And I shouldn't say stupid. They're manipulated to coming out here. Because obviously something nefarious was going to happen. There's no reason why an adult teacher should be inviting minor students to hang out outside of the school. Either there was going to be some drugs and alcohol. They were going to do some sort of reservoir dog style heist. Something sexual. Like there's no reason why the teacher should be hanging out with them outside of school. Outside of any sort of extracurricular thing in the middle of nowhere. So the kids, none of these red flags are going off. She has these kids in thrall. So when she's telling them that they have demons in them, they don't book it. They don't kick bricks. They stay there and listen to her. And she goes, you have to get them out. And the only way to get them out is through cutting. You have to hurt your body to get the demon to jump out, right? I mean, that makes sense. If you were in a car and the car caught on fire, you would get out of the car. So the demon has to think that your body is in danger. The demon will leave your body. And at that point, she stands there and goes, so hurt yourselves. Get the demons out of you. Now, this is when the kids start to become rational and think, that's, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to hurt ourselves like Mrs. H. We're not going to, that doesn't make sense. And at that point, Danielle gets a lighter because she started the little fire. So the foreshadowing that she has the ability to create flame. She grabs a lighter and tries to set one of the kids on fire. What are you doing? What are you doing? Stay away from me. Doesn't work. The lighter goes out. But then she pulls out perfume, sprays it on the kid's hands, and lights him. His hands catch on fire. To the point where it's not like a YouTube video where you're like, ah, put it out. And you're like, nice one, Mrs. H. Second degree burns. Really, really serious burns on portions of his hands. At that point, she takes a broken bottle, smashes it on the ground, and slashes a kid's back. Then turns, cuts a kid's neck, takes out a key, 
heats it in the fire, and then cauterizes the wound in his neck. Now, obviously, these kids, I think there was like five or six kids. They definitely outnumber her. But she's doing this damage to them. She's, she set one on fire. She stabbed one in the back. She slashed the dude's neck. And then he was there a lot. Ow, what are you doing? Ah. And then she's like, oh, I'll take care of it. Let me get this key red hot. He's like, okay. And then he lets her do that. This is how we get the demons out. And that's all we know about what happened that night. Because this is how the story started. With the friend saying, hey, what, what happened? I heard something. One of the kids tells his friend, yeah, I was out the other night with the teacher, and she told us we had demons in us, and the story I just told you. And the friend goes to that kid's parents and says, you're not going to believe this. This is going to sound like the stupidest thing ever, but your son was part of a thing where just the other night they were getting slashed up by this teacher, and demons were in him. Did he mention that? And the parents are like, no, we wondered why he was wearing Michael Jackson gloves on both hands. It was weird. I mean, we get one. But the parents start asking and they figure out these kids had been attacked by this teacher. And when they'd ask the kids, hey, can I, let me see your hands. <laughs> Takes the gloves off. They're burned. How'd you get those burns? I don't know. I'm not telling you. What burns? Kid slash neck, little scar from the key. What happened? I don't know. Nothing. Is it true that you, Danielle, your teacher, said you had demons? Nope. Nope, not true. Never happened. Everyone who was at that ceremony, because that's how it was described, apparently after all of this, they started dancing and chanting, and other people did begin hurting themselves. But it's very, we don't know. There are very, very vague details on that. The only version of the story we know is the version that the kid told his friend, and the friend told the parents, and then eventually the police. All of the kids said, We're not saying anything. They completely clammed up. None of them would fess up to it. The teacher ended up getting arrested. She says nothing. The kids say nothing. The police only have to go off of a secondhand account and scars, burns, cuts. That's all they have. And that's enough. That's enough. The secondhand testimony wouldn't be enough. But when you're sitting there with second degree burns on your hands, which is amazing he didn't end up going to the hospital, But she gets fired from her job, obviously. She gets charged with one count of child abuse, one count of aggravated battery, which is would be the one guy who told his friend. Everyone else, no one said anything. She gets after this story. Because basically the cop, everyone else is going, no, no, no. What? I I burned myself with this key. Like, I, I was born like this. This is a birthmark. They could only charge her with the one story that they knew, which was that Story that the friend said, six months in prison, that's what she got. Or jail, however it works out. Six months. She gets out, disappears. Now, the articles at the time said she, she, we were unable to find her after she got out. We went to the door, knocked on the door, no one came to the house. Articles since then have kind of made it look like she's mysteriously disappeared from the area. It could just be the reporters never found her, and then the story just kind of died. Because what it seems like, the town wants this story to die. It's such a bizarre story. Nobody wants to fess up to it. It makes this town look bad. You have a teacher who's doing a bunch of weird stuff. So the town doesn't want to talk about it. The kids don't want to talk about it. Other than that one friend who heard the story. And he must be going through some stuff because he's like, he he must feel like he's being gaslit. He must feel like this whole story is just bagpipe music and everyone else is a McDonald's manager saying, no, it didn't happen, no, it didn't happen. But he knows, he heard the story from his friend one night. And then even his own friend was like, no, I never told you that story, it didn't happen. 
To me, she almost sounds demonic. Keeping these kids enthralled to her, injuring them, convincing them that they need to hurt themselves to release these demons. To me, that sounds like something an evil person would put out into the world. And what's creepy about this is, one, the woman who did this six months in custody and is completely out. You have this group of kids who are willing to lie to their parents and lie to law enforcement officers and ultimately to themselves about what happened that night. And they're still able to communicate with each other. She may or may not be in that area, but you have to figure that they can still get a hold of her and she can still get a hold of them. You basically have the beginnings of a cult. A cult that is going so far in its first moments. Most cults don't make you start cutting yourself open till way later. Jim Jones didn't show up and say, hey everyone, drink Kool-Aid. That was long into the process. And you have someone who can get people to cut themselves, to hurt themselves. First she hurts them, but they take it. And then eventually they begin hurting themselves as well. What is that group of people doing today? Have those kids gone on to have normal lives in eight years since this has happened? Who knows? Is this woman teaching somewhere else under another name? Or building another group? Who knows? But what we do know is you have a woman out there who believes that demons can be exercised from you through pain and blood and flame and fear. And she successfully tricked a group of kids into believing that as well. What happens when that woman is lost in society? You don't know where she's at. You don't know what she's up to. It's possible that she also has realized the error of her ways. And that it was foolish to believe that people have demons in them and this is the way to get rid of them. But it's also possible that she's continuing this plan. It's possible that she has the ability to convince you that there is something dark inside of you and only she can help get it out. And she's still out there. You may run into her today and you go, Jason, that doesn't concern me. Some woman comes up to me and starts talking to me about demons being inside of me. I'm too smart to fall for that stuff. But again, that message sounds demonic in and of itself. You may not be able to be convinced by a divorcee, mother of two, passing through your town. But if that woman, if she's the one possessed by a demon, you might find yourself being a little more persuaded. You may think that you're too smart to fall for it. But with dark forces behind her, you may find yourself looking in the mirror one night, remembering the words she said to you briefly as you passed her in a parking lot, looking in the mirror and thinking, I can see the demons now. She was right. How much do I have to hurt myself to free me from this darkness? And let me say right now, don't hurt yourselves. Don't. Don't. That was a spooky ending for a spooky story, but don't do that. No self-harm. I'm not endorsing that at all. I was trying to give it a little Twilight Zone spin. Don't hurt yourselves. That's stupid. These kids were more idiots for doing it. But, you know, I like to end it on a spooky element. But sometimes you got to be responsible, too. Don't hurt yourselves. Don't commit suicide. 
be excellent to each other. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Don't hurt yourself. Do not do it. I know you guys won't. I know you guys are smarter than that. Have a great day, guys.